How you doing today? Good to see you. You glad to be in the board's house today? Some of us aren't paying attention, preacher's wife. I know. Man. We just don't have enough time in between Sunday school and worship to get all of our visiting done. But we're going to have time after our worship time. If you didn't know, if you did, hopefully you walked through the door and you went, what is that wonderful smell? We were having fifth Sunday lunch after church today. So you might think, oh, I didn't bring anything. It's okay. You brought your appetite. That's all you need. So when church is over, just go into the fellowship hall and join in with us uh, in uh, having some fellowship today. Then you can get caught up on all your visiting. Does that sound good? Anyway, it is good to see you. If you're visiting with us, we sure hope that if there's a, a blue card around you that you take that and fill it out. If not, you can take your phone, a camera app on your phone, scan that little QR code, and it will take you to a spot where you can fill out an online connection card. We just want to know that you were here. Same thing if you're visiting with us online. We'd love to know that you're visiting with or watching online with us. And there's a link in the description below the video, and you can, can it'll take you to that online connection card. Just a few announcements. Uh, today we are observing the Lord's Supper during the morning worship service. So if you are a Christian, by, if you believe that Jesus Christ saves you by grace, through faith, alone, in Christ alone, uh, then you are welcome to join with us in the Lord's Supper today. We have the, uh, and you might, um, if you haven't already, there, there's be an opportunity during the song service or whatever you need to, uh, to go back and get one of the, it's, it's one of these. These little cups, it's got juice in one side and it's got bread in the other. Um, and uh, we'll take that together at the end of the service. So make sure you get one of these and if you, uh, they're back there on the back table. Uh, furthermore, I've already said we're going to share lunch today in the fellowship hall. Then also tonight at 6 o'clock, we're going to watch a movie called The Indescribable. And it's based on a true story. I'm not going to tell you a whole lot about the plot, but it is about a song that we sing here at church. And so I'll um, kind of throw out a teaser in that way. Also wanted to let you know that starting September 8th, man, I'm fast forwarding a lot. September 8th, uh, that's a Wednesday night, 545 to 730. Our children will follow the journey of a man named Christian, who is the central character in John Bunyan's book, The Children's Progress. And we'll watch Christian... As he makes the dangerous journey from the city of destruction to the celestial city. If you've ever read The Pilgrim's Progress, then you know that that's what that whole story is about. So we have a curriculum that's going to take our kids through this story, tie it to scripture. They'll, they'll understand all the characters and what they represent, all the events, those kinds of things. We'll connect it to scripture. So they'll get an overview of the Christian life from how you become a Christian to how you um, finally one day see your Savior face to face. So that'll start on September 8th. And so join us at 545 for a meal in the fellowship hall. We will also have a ladies Bible study at that time. Um, Carrie, is there anything I need to say about it? So their, their study is going to focus on discipleship, I think, uh, friendship and mentoring, and you shared that as well. All right, so if you're interested in that, make sure you talk to Carrie Owen. I also want to remind you that we have free copies of the book Gentle and Lowly right there on the back table. Our friends at Crossway Publishing have made this available to us for free. So take a copy for yourself, uh, even if you're visiting with us. These are free copies. Uh, take one and you can uh, take it with you. The chapters are short. They're about four or five pages long. And they talk about the heart of Christ for sinners and sufferers. So take one for yourself. Take one for your friends. Uh, and please give those away. Um, 
freely. We have a whole box back there of these books that hasn't even been touched. So feel free to take some. Also, finally, um, we are taking donations for Arctic Barnabas Blessing boxes. And so we have the opportunity to, to bless pastors, missionaries, and their families by donating some of the items that you'll see on the list, on the wall in the foyer. Uh, there are already some boxes or some donations there. So just make sure you look at that list and uh, put those donated items in that box. And that shipment will go out sometime around September 15th. One final announcement. I know I just said final, but you know that when a pastor says in closing, that means 30 more minutes. Um, Next Sunday night, um, we are going to baptize, hopefully, all things. We had a little problem. We were supposed to baptize Addie Buffy, and then we turned on the, the baptistry. And if I hadn't been sitting here, we would have had a giant mess. Um, we had a leak there, and uh, so at any rate, we're going to attempt, if all things fall into place, we're going to baptize Addie next Sunday night, Sunday night out at Marsha and Larry's place in the pool. Um, and so the reason I'm announcing it is because, and after talking with the deacons about it, this is my own personal belief, um, you can be baptized anywhere, but I believe that baptism happens in the context of church. So the reason I'm announcing this is because you are the church that Addie Buffy will join. And so I want you to be there. Clear your schedule. Come to Marsha and Larry's and be there so that she can be surrounded by her church family as she takes this first public step of obedience. Any other announcements we need to make at this time? All right. For a call to worship this morning, I'm going to read from Psalm 4 and then just give us a very brief challenge. Psalm chapter 4, verse 4. Be angry and do not sin. Now, I'm going to qualify that. You look around at the world. I think there's a lot of things that we could be angry at. Unrighteously or righteously. And I hope that if you came in today with just a little bit of anger in your heart, that you recognize that you can be angry and not sin. That's what the psalmist says. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices, offer right sacrifices, and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who will say, Who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. And this is my challenge to you. This morning, despite how you feel coming into worship, whatever you're going through in life, that you will do what verse 5 says here. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. And trust that God is sovereign and He's going to take care of us. So let's offer the sacrifice of praise to our Lord this morning. Let's stand.
work in, a lot of kids don't understand the difference between happy and joyful. Because happy depends on your circumstances and joyful depends on who you trust. This morning we trust the Lord Jesus Christ and we know that one day we'll go to be with him forever. And so no matter what circumstances say, we can choose to be joyful. Let's sing the song. ready for him to come. I don't know about you. Um, numerous conversations with James and Denise and some of you and thinking with all the things that are going on in our world right now, it's like, Lord, what are you waiting on? Um, we know that the Bible says that um, there'll be wars and rumors of wars and be all kinds of things that happen in the world. And Christ reminds us that it's only the beginning. It's the birth pains. So we don't know when, we will, when he will come, but we trust that he will because he promised. He said, if I go away to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. We look forward to that day when we, are, when we see our Savior face to face, when we see the redeemed. Uh, but in the meantime, if you watch the news, uh, if your phone blows up, if you get notifications from your preferred news source. Um, whatever it is, we, we realize there is so, there's so much going on in the world that we need to pray for. Um, 
There's COVID. There's COVID uh, in our community that we want to lift up. We know that there are folks along the Gulf Coast that are bracing for Hurricane Ida. Um, Afghanistan is a mess. Haiti is a mess. Um, our country is in definite need of prayer. Um, we lost here this past week Chris Wilson, who is a, a game warden uh, to COVID. So there's a, and then also his family suffered a double loss because Chris Wilson's mother passed away. Uh, I think prior to his passing. Um, I'm sure, if we went around the room and you had time to, to bear your heart and say, Brother Shannon, we need prayer for this. Um, would probably take up a good good amount of time. Uh, but instead of doing that, uh, not to diminish any of your problems, concerns, um, things that are on your heart and mind, you just want to take some time and pray. So if you would bow your heads, pray along with me, and then I'm going to stop partway through the prayer and, and just be some silence. And, and during that time, you just pray to the Lord whatever's on your heart. If you're hurting personally, if there's someone you want to lift up, then, then certainly do that. But we know that um, we can boldly approach the throne of grace and God will meet us in the time of our need. So let's boldly approach the throne together. Gracious God, apart from Christ, we would have no hope. Apart from Christ, there would be zero hope for us. So we can look around at our world and when things seem hopeless, we, we know that there's a Savior who one, can save, who two, is returning to put all things back right. But in the midst of living in that joy and hope, we can still look around and find things that seem seemingly hopeless. Father, the friends that I have in Haiti, and they're reeling from that earthquake, and I pray, God, that you would sustain the the churches, the pastors, the lay leaders, uh, the many relief organizations that are doing their best to supply needs. We thank you for those that are standing in the gap financially to help Haiti recover. We pray for Afghanistan. Father, what what, what an awful mess. Uh, We mourn the lives of the 13 servicemen who lost their lives in dedication to their country in service, uh, doing a hard job, and now their families are missing a seat at the table. So we pray for those families. We pray for our nation as we mourn. Help, the, help us, Lord, uh, as a nation uh, that uh, those lives would not be lost in vain. I fear that they are, but, Lord, you can redeem anything, and so we pray that you would. Uh, we also pray for the nation of Afghanistan and uh, also especially, Lord, uh, your people there, those that um, are left behind uh, with a radical Islamic regime who does not love Christ, but hates Christ, wants to see Christians die. I pray that their faith may not fail. Lord, if the time of testing comes, uh, give them the grace and the comfort of knowing that they are not outside your sovereign hand or your sovereign will, that you will sustain them in the time of testing. Lord, we pray for our friends and neighbors along the Gulf Coast as they brace for Ida and pray, Lord, that uh, folks will have heeded the advice of public officers who have asked them to leave, to get out, to go to safety. We pray for those that weren't able to get out. Lord, we pray there would be no loss of life. and The the damage to property would be minimal. But Lord, we see that this is a large hurricane. We anticipate lots of destruction, but we also know, Father, that when 
bad times happen, good Americans surround those that are hurting. And so we pray for those who are already getting ready to go serve the folks in the path of this dangerous storm. We pray for our church. Lord, um, with COVID in the area, we want to make sure and be faithful in how we worship and how we serve and how we're together. So guide us there. We pray for those that are suffering with COVID right now. Don't name any names, but Lord, you know who they are. So we pray that you would bless them with health and healing. Father, we are just so incredibly grateful to know that the cross was not the end, that there was an empty tomb. And we have a risen Savior who has ascended and sits at your right hand. And one day he will return. Just a few moments, just a brief time. You just pray to the Lord as you feel you need to lift up those that are on your heart and mind. Lord, we thank you again for being our shepherd, our good shepherd. You lead us where we need to be for the sake of your name. Surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life, and we will dwell with you forever. That comforts our hearts, Lord. We praise you. We thank you. In Christ's name, amen.
Let's stand together. We have been singing this song all month long. And I don't know about y'all, but there are times that I'll be driving my 45 minutes each way every morning. And just thinking about all the stuff that our world is dealing with right now. And this is a great first line. Don't drop a single anchor. We're almost here. In other words, what it's saying is when you listen to all the garbage around you, don't put your hope in something other than God. Because all it's going to do is slow you down. All it's going to do is make you feel weary and cumbersome.
May the blood of your gospel drip on us today and change our hearts. In the name of Jesus Christ alone we pray. Amen. You may be seated. If you would please take your copy of God's word and turn to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. If you did not bring a Bible with you, you should find a hardback black one somewhere around you. If you'll turn to the back of it, find page 121. You will be at Romans chapter 3. We have been in a sermon series called Getting Saved. Prior to that, we had a sermon series called Getting Lost. Um, so we want to, we don't want to leave ourselves lost, even though the scripture talks about how all people have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It continues in that verse, as we'll see today. And are justified. What an amazing thing that God would justify sinners. The the subtitle of this morning's message is, He Satisfied God's Wrath. We're going to learn a word, perhaps you don't know this word, but you will when we're done. So you can add it to your arsenal. Uh, Not just so you can complete a crossword puzzle, but just so you can be reminded that because of Jesus Christ... And his sacrifice on the cross, he satisfied God's wrath. So if you would please stand for the reading of God's word. Romans chapter 3, verses 23 through 25. And this is God's word. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for the glorious truth of this text. That all have sinned, yet all can be justified. Those who would turn from their sin and turn to the redemption, turn to the propitiatory sacrifice of Christ can find themselves justified by grace through faith. What a glorious thought that we need not be condemned for our sins, but we can be set free and declared righteous and put right in your sight. Lord, help us to understand these truths and not only to understand them with our mind, but to feel them with our heart and to sense the urgency to tell those around us that they can be justified, put right with you through Christ. We pray all these things in His name. Amen. You may be seated. Um, In a couple of weeks, I turn 25. Why are you laughing? Did I say, oh, I'm at 52. Did I say 25? I look 20. No, I don't. 52 here in a few weeks, and it's been amazing um, to realize that my brain does not hold as much as it used to hold. seems to be holes in it. There are things that I don't remember as well anymore. I'll say it this way. I don't remember my, uh, remembering. I remember remembering different. Yeah, I even can't even remember my statement that I... That, it gets better, Charles. I, you know, thanks to Charles and James and Roddy, they keep saying it's, it, it gets better. At any rate, what does that have to do with this morning? Well, as I was studying this week, this particular passage, um, I was reading different books, and, uh, and I just, man, I, I wonder, I know I've read this, I know I understand this, I know I've probably taught this before, but, but, 
Why do I feel like I have to relearn it? Maybe not so much relearn it, but it's, I see something different. Uh, something else looks beautiful, more beautiful to me, more glorious to me. Um, perhaps it's like this. I saw a YouTube video. Did you realize that at the bottom of the ocean, there can be pools of super salty water? And when you, and I saw this, it was like on National Geographic or something. And, and so there's an underwater craft, and it's moving along there. And, and you can see the bottom of the ocean, and then all of a sudden, there's a lake right there. And you look at it, and you think, that makes no sense at all. But you think about how that applies to the Christian life. And the more that you look at Christ, you think you've gotten to the bottom, and then all of a sudden, there's, there's more depth to go to. And I have just thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed studying this week, reading uh, certain books that, man, these, these men have just peered into what Peter describes, things which angels, uh, into which angels long to look and to, and to be just amazed once again at the grace uh, that God shows upon sinners in, in, their, in their sin to reach down and to justify them through the blood of His precious Son. There's three words that we're going to learn today. You probably know what they are. But this is the main point, the main kind of theme sentence of this morning's text. It's that God justifies. We see that in the text in, uh, in verse 24. And are justified by His grace. And, and when it says, and are, well, there's no subject there. You have to go back to all. In verse 23, all have sinned. So he's talking about sinners there. God justifies sinners. How does he do it? He does it through the redemption. You see that in verse 24. And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. But that redemption is accomplished by Christ's propitiation. So verse 23 and 24 again, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. So people are justified. Sinners can be justified, declared righteous. They can be set free from the curse of the law. We talked about that last week, Galatians 3.13. And also... God's wrath can be propitiated. Propitiation is a form of sacrifice that uh, does away with it, satisfies wrath. So God justifies sinners through the redemption accomplished by Christ's propitiation. You probably heard the word justify before. Last week we talked about redemption, but propitiation, probably not a word that you hear a whole lot, but I want to make sure that we understand that Today, Christ is our propitiation. These three words are very important words to help us to understand our great salvation. Now, as I was looking this week uh, to, in order to, to, to find a text to preach from about propitiation, you know, really there's only two places. And what, what was interesting to me here in this particular text is that Paul just doesn't single out propitiation. He connects it to other things. So it helps us to understand that salvation, when we look into our great salvation, it's like looking at a beautiful, well-cut gem. So we look at propitiation, and we see that right next to it, there's justification. And right next to it, there's redemption. All of these faces, they touch one another. 
And so it's, you, as you take salvation and look at it and you turn it, it, there's just more beauty and more depth every point where you turn. But this morning our focus is going to be on propitiation. I'm going to t- the points of the sermon, we're just going to take this phrase, pull it apart, and look at the, at, the, at the different clauses in it. So first, God justifies sinners. God justifies sinners. So to justify simply means to declare righteous. Now, when you, uh, in order to understand this, you have to understand it in the context uh, of this word. The particular word is a law court word. And so it indicates that someone is righteous according to the law. Now, you understand that if you go into court and you are righteous, you shouldn't have to be declared righteous. But if you are in a law court and you aren't righteous and you hope to escape condemnation, then you must be declared righteous to avoid the condemnation and punishment. So God justifies sinners. Those who are not righteous, according to the law. Who cannot in any way make themselves righteous. Who sinned in Adam and bear Adam's guilt. Who actively rebel against God's authority. Who willingly disobey His law. Who, as verse 23 says, fall short of the glory of God. Despite their best efforts... Who are dead, as Ephesians 2 says, in their trespasses and sins. And who could be described in their person and character as radical moral depravity. It's not that there's no good in them. since that even the good that they do is tainted by the fallen nature that we inherit because we are sons of Adam. Listen to what Paul says. I hope you have your Bible open still. Look in verse 9. Follow with me as I read verses 9 through 18. This is what Paul says about those who are sinners, who need to be declared righteous. Pick up in verse 9. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. These are the kinds of people that Paul is talking about. And we should remind ourselves, going back to the Getting Lost series, about how God feels about sinners. He feels grief. He feels hatred. Now, does that make you squirm in your seat a little bit? Scripture says God hates sinners. He feels enmity toward them. He sees them as an enemy. And all of that wells up in God, in His holy character, in wrath. God feels all of these things towards sinners. Yet, 
Verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift. God justifies sinners. We ought to look at that. Notice I put a question mark there. God justifies sinners? Really? God justifies sinners. God takes people who are unrighteous and declares them righteous? Really? The answer to that is an unequivocal yes. Only God can do that. He's the one against whom we have sinned. He is the only person who sits over us as judge and may, out of his good pleasure and grace, through the sacrifice of his son, declare sinners to be righteous in his sight. God does indeed justify sinners. He justifies them through redemption. Recall last week, redemption is the purchase of freedom. This word is used in the slave market, where a slave, uh, they could either be bought by someone, they could be, um, in the price that was paid to buy them, they could be bought out of slavery. The price that was paid for them was called the redemption price, or perhaps even the ransom. A slave could even buy their own redemption. In, In Rome... In the Roman society, if a slave saved up enough money, they could actually buy their own uh, freedom. They could redeem themselves. But we're not that lucky as sons and daughters of Adam because we need to be redeemed from the curse of the law. Recall last week, we, we were reminded by Paul in Galatians 3.13 that there is such a thing known as the curse of the law. And that is that the law reveals our sinful nature, prescribes to us conduct. And if we were able to do everything in it, then we could say, Lord, I am justified. I am righteous. But the problem is we cannot. I thought of a metaphor, a way to help us get our minds around this. Um, Apollo 13 was... um, how did, the, how did NASA put it? A successful failure, I think, is what they called the mission. Because after they, they uh, launched and got up into space, there was a point where there was an explosion. And this mission to go and land on the moon instead became a rescue mission. And if you watch the movie, you realize very quickly, unless everyone does everything exactly Right, there is no hope for these men to be saved. Okay, praise God, they everyone came together and they did everything right. But you and I, we're, it's like we're on Apollo 13. Okay, like we're riding in the law and, and we have to do everything right, otherwise, we're either going to go bouncing off into space or we're just going to go slamming into the crest of the earth. And the problem is, we are cursed to disobey because of our radical moral depravity. Therefore, we're cursed to the punishment of death because of our disobedience. And we can't get ourselves out of that. And that's why last week we spent time looking at the glory of the redemption in Galatians 3.13. To be reminded that Christ, in order to redeem us from the curse of the law, became a curse in our place. And when he paid the price to redeem us, then we were indeed set free from the curse of the law. We depend upon what Christ did. 
So God justifies sinners through the redemption accomplished by Christ's propitiation. Propitiation is a wrath-satisfying sacrifice. Now, it might um, cause you to squirm in your seat a little bit, um, or perhaps you, you, you think um, this is one doctrine about uh, God and sin that probably shouldn't come up at, at dinner parties you know, because it, it's, it's somewhat unpleasant to talk about God's wrath. But if we understand God's holy character, we understand that God hates things that, are, that go against Him, that are offensive to Him and His holy character, that offend His righteousness. And God's wrath must be satisfied. One thing I want us to understand is when we think about the wrath of God is that God doesn't fly off the handle for just no, for seemingly no reason. God's wrath is focused. It is focused on evil. It is focused on sin and sinners. Now, I'm going I'm to say something real quick. The reason I say on sinners is because we must understand this. Sin doesn't get sent to hell. Sinners do. Do we understand that? That's why I have to say God's wrath on sin and God's wrath on sinners. We could, start, we could, we could be 100% right and say God's wrath on sin, and that, that's right. But the eternal punishment isn't paid by sin. The eternal punishment is paid by sinners. And that, notice what Paul says in verse 25, going back to verse 24. Justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood. That's a very important phrase there, by His blood. That means that Christ died. His blood was spilt. His blood uh, propitiated God's wrath and satisfied God's wrath. We think about propitiation. We think about sacrifice. We probably remember we spent uh, quite a bit of time in the book of Leviticus. And in Leviticus chapter 17 verse 11, God tells His people, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. Now listen to this. I have given it to you. On the altar to make atonement for your souls. It, for it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. God is describing here. Moses is writing for us animal sacrifice. This is what this is, pertains to. So when a person makes sacrifice for their sin, there is an animal that is put in their place. That is their substitute. And the blood of that animal is spilt. And that blood is considered to be the life of that animal. And so it's life for life. Instead of uh, the, the offerer dying, the animal dies in their place. And it, it makes atonement. It, it, it repairs the fracture between that person and God. And, 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 and what Paul is talking about here with propitiation, again, we're, we need to remember that he's talking about the satisfaction of God's wrath. God's wrath has been propitiated through the blood of Christ. He is satisfied. 
Now, when we think about satisfaction, this may go a little deeper than you want to go this morning, but we need to understand this. God's wrath will be satisfied. It must be satisfied. And it will be satisfied either in Christ or in hell. Now, we sing a song, In Christ Alone, and there's a phrase in there, and it says, Till on that cross... As Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. How did Christ satisfy the wrath of God? When you think about it, Christ, three days in the tomb, versus a person who is condemned in their sin and spend eternity in hell. How, how, is, how does that, to use a good old country term, how does that jihad? Well, there's two types of satisfaction. First of all, there's commercial Satisfaction, And that simply means that the debt is satisfied only when the exact amount is paid. So if you owe me a debt of $50, some of you do, I'll be talking to you after the service. If there's a debt of $50, you cannot satisfy that debt just by paying $25. Nor, if there was a debt and it was payable in gold... If you owed me 10 ounces of gold, you could not pay me in 10 ounces of clay. That's one type of satisfaction. The other type is forensic or penal substitution. Penal as in like penal code, law. I think we understand that. Forensic or penal satisfaction. And so the debt is satisfied when the criminal serves the sentence decreed by the judge. The sentence is not required to be of the same nature as the crime. All that is required is that it should be a just equivalent. We understand this. For theft, it could be a fine. For murder, it could be imprisonment. For treason, you could be banished from the country. So when we look at these two different types of satisfaction, and we consider which one, uh, which one of these ways describes how Christ satisfied the wrath of God we'd have to say it's the second one, the forensic or penal satisfaction. Christ's sufferings, and this is from Paul Washer, <clears throat> were not commercial, but forensic or penal in nature. Christ did not pay the exact penalty under which his people were condemned. He did not suffer eternal condemnation in hell, but his sufferings were exactly what a holy and just God determined must be paid in order to satisfy divine justice and to release the guilty from the penalty of sin. God said He required the death of His Son to redeem people from their sin, to be propitiated, and therefore to declare others, to be able to declare sinners righteous. <clears throat> Christ shed His blood for us and satisfied the wrath of God. And Peter reminds us in 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, that when Christ... When Christ offered His blood, and His blood is what justifies, it's, it's, it's what propitiates, it's, it's what redeems. That that happened not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. The precious blood of Christ propitiated our wrath, God's wrath. It purchased our redemption and is the means by which we are justified. But look down in your, in your Bible again at verse 25. Actually, back up to 24. And are justified by His grace as a gift 
through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward. Did you see that? Let's not go, go over that too fast. Whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. Why would God do this for undeserving sinners? Isn't that a good question? Why would God choose to do this for people who rebel against Him, who do not want Him, who cannot please Him, and don't deserve what He offers? Why would God do this? Well, first of all, He is loving. Now you might say, now, Brother Shannon, just a minute ago, you, you said God hates sinners. And now you're saying He's loving? Is God, is He a little off? Is He schizophrenic? Is He dual personality? How can he be both, how can he love sinners and hate sinners at the same time? Let me read from John Stott in his book, The Cross of Christ. Listen to this. It is God himself who in holy wrath needs to be propitiated. God himself who in holy love undertook to do the propitiating. And God himself who in the person of his son died for the propitiation of our sins. Thus, God took His own loving initiative to appease His own righteous anger by bearing it in His own self, in His own Son, when He took our place and died for us. There is nothing crude here to cause us to ridicule just the profound nature of holy love to cause us to worship. Why would God do this? First of all, He's loving, but secondly... He's gracious. We look again at verse 24. It says that those sinners who fall short of the glory of God are justified by His grace. We know what grace is. It's getting something you don't deserve. You haven't earned and could not earn. God justifies by grace. So we could take our main theme sentence and say it this way out of his love and out of his grace by his grace God justifies sinners through the redemption accomplished by Christ's propitiation out of his love and by his grace God justifies sinners through the redemption accomplished by Christ's propitiation so that's it look again at verse 23 See if it doesn't lend itself to a kind of interpretation. Verse 23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift. Doesn't that... Some people could look at that and say, Well, all have sinned and all are justified. Right? I mean, some people have actually taken that step. but, But that's not true. Because if we read... And are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. No one is justified apart from faith. Paul uses the word faith three times. Verse 22, through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. And then in verse 26, talking about God, so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has Faith in Jesus. You cannot be justified apart from faith. 
And as we draw this to a close and prepare for taking the Lord's Supper together, I want to swing back around to this word propitiation. And I can't help but wonder if all of us don't just the least little bit, maybe some of us more than others, feel as though God has got an underlying anger with us. He's just mad. He doesn't show it. but He's just mad at us. And he looks down and he sees how we just kind of fumble around in our Christian walk and, and we make mistakes and he has to forgive us again. It just gets old and God's just some just kind of bubbling underneath, below skin deep. God's just mad. If you take anything away today, understand this. Christian, God is not mad at you. He's not mad at you. He may discipline you in his love, and that may come across to you as God's mad at me. No, God's wrath was propitiated by the blood of Christ at the cross. He's no longer mad at you. So you may have to take this morning's central statement and personalize it this way. Out of his love and by his grace, God justified me through the redemption accomplished by Christ's propitiation. Jesus' blood satisfied God's wrath. Therefore, God is not mad at me. If you needed to hear that today, don't just hear it. Believe it. Believe it. God is not mad at you. But I will say before we have a time of response together, if you have understood that God justifies sinners through the redemption accomplished by Christ's propitiation, if the Spirit of God has stirred your heart, you think this makes sense, I I think I believe this, then do what Paul said, act in faith. Step out this morning. Come down and let me talk to you about how God saves sinners. He can save you today, and I pray that He will. Father, we thank You for these glorious truths. We pray for those that um, are struggling today to believe that You're not mad at them. Those that are on the cusp of believing, stepping out in faith, I pray that You just do with us what you will in this time of response. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand and sing the wonderful cross this morning. So I invite you to stand because it is the wonderful cross. It's our hope. Let's sing together.
haven't had an opportunity yet to, to get um, a single serve pack of the of the juice and the bread, um, now's a good time for you to do so. We'll receive it here in just a moment. Um, the Bible tells us that you know, we're always to prepare to receive the Lord's Supper together. It's a communal event. And so um, I mean, we're also told that if our brother has something against us, that we, we should go to our brother and make things right. And I think that, that definitely applies um, in, well, before you, you take the Lord's Supper together. And, and Jared has asked it, if, if he could have an opportunity to do that. Um, I, I don't know about y'all, but how your Sunday mornings go, but sometimes at my house, my Sunday mornings get crazy and chaotic, and um, I get mad and frustrated, and then I come to class that way, come to church that way. Um, Dad says things to his children that he shouldn't say in anger. And so there's a few people I need to ask forgiveness from this morning. Um, first of all, my family. Um, I'm sorry. I do ask your forgiveness. Um, I, as Brother Shannon was talking about sinning in your anger, I was sitting here thinking about how I did that this morning. Um, and then I brought that anger and frustration with me to class. Um, and I said something offensive. Um, to certain individuals and to my whole class. And it wasn't until I came in here and sat down and I thought, did you really say that? What a fool you are. How, how could you have said that? Um, so Vivian, Brandon, Terry, Joel, uh, Betty, um, Regina, I do ask your forgiveness um, for what I said and how I acted before I left class. Um, I didn't even realize that I had said it until I sat down and thought about it. And James and Terry, I said something hurtful, insensitive, ungrateful, and I don't even know why it came out of my mouth other than the fact of the uh, anger and frustration that was going on with me this morning for how my morning went. Um, and I apologize. I am sorry. Um, I ask your forgiveness. Um, and, as, you know, realizing today I, I was going to take the Lord's Supper, I, I wasn't going to do it and dishonor Christ and the blood that he shed for us. Um, so I just wanted to say that. I think that's what we should. I don't think we do this enough. Um, thank you. Father, we, we thank you um, for those um, who strive to follow your word even when they fail. And I'm thankful for my brother Jared for his devotion to you. Um, Lord, we all um, struggle in certain ways. And uh, I just pray, Lord, that he would feel your forgiveness today. That you would reassure him that the blood of Christ covers all of our sins. And Lord, I pray that you would heal relationships. We love you. We pray it in Christ's name.
if you would please um, open the side that has the bread. You'll take it out and uh, just wait and we will all receive it together. God says in verse 25 that, uh, Paul says in verse 25 of Romans 3 that God put um, forward his son Christ Jesus. It was his body that was broken instead of ours. And so when we take this together today, we remember his broken body and that it was broken for us. Now, if you can flip over to the other side and take that off. <clears throat> Excuse me. Take that off. <clears throat> and just wait, and we will all receive this together. Again, verse 25, Romans 3. Whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood, it's the spilt blood of Christ that satisfied God's wrath, freed us from our, the penalty of the curse of the law, and justified us before a holy God. Well, before we go, I want to say a word of prayer. Uh, and... You are invited to stay with us and eat. Guests, if you or if you forgot this morning that uh, we were having supper or lunch, please stay. We, we definitely want you to, to feel welcome. I'll say a word of prayer, and then we'll um, end with a doxology. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the spilt blood of our Savior, for his broken body, for what it means to us, that we did not suffer in our own, but we suffered with Christ. We are in Him. We've been crucified with Christ and yet we no longer live. Christ lives within us. And so we accept these. Uh, we take these uh, by faith uh, to just remember the sacrifice of Christ. To let it minister um, the comfort that it brings to be reminded of these things and the hope. Lord, we praise You for our Savior. It's in His name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and we'll sing the doxology and be dismissed. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him all